wow, what a powerful time of worship we got to be a part of this morning. Amen? I think, and I might be a little biased, but I think we've got the best worship and production team anywhere. That's just what I think. And they work week in and week out to bring us to this place. To this place where we take this book that we say, and when I say we, I'm talking to Christians in the house. I'm talking to people who call themselves Christ followers, Christians. We take this book and we open the pages of it and we say, this is what I base my life on. This is where I find my strength. This is where I go to find answers. Now, how many of us have been looking for some answers this week? In the world that we live in, with all of the things that we hear, wherever you get your information, and I hope it's not just Facebook. I hope it's not just mainstream media. I hope that you dig a little, and I hope that you find some places where you can find some good information. And when you compile all that and you pull that together, I hope you also consider what this book says. We're all looking for answers. We all want to know, what is the future going to hold? And a lot of people, when they think about this future world or they think about their future, a lot of people search in the wrong places. And they look for somebody to be able to tell them through some means of sorcery or witchcraft or guessing what is tomorrow going to look like? What does next week look like? What does next year look like? What is going to happen five years from now? What is my life going to look like? And we've all spent time looking at that. We've all spent time somewhere in our past trying to figure it out and put the pieces together and then set a plan in place. And that's great. And I applaud you for having a plan because when we leave home without a plan, we plan to what? Fail. But where we go and what we see and what we base our future on is important. And we've been talking about that for the last few weeks in this study called Future world. And it's a study out of the book of Revelation. So if you've got your Bibles, I want you to go to Revelation chapter 21. Now some of you are nervous already because I said Revelation. It's amazing every time a speaker or a preacher or anybody says Revelation, some people get nervous. They're just automatically nervous about that. You say, well, pastor, we don't want to be in that book. That's all the way at the end. But that's future. That's what we're talking about. So as you're there at Revelation chapter 21, and we're going to begin with verse 1. And I want to just, would you do this with me? Don't read ahead. I want us to soak on a few verses this morning. Do you ever do that? Do you ever just have your Bible out and you maybe intended to read a whole passage or chapter or maybe a whole book but you just kind of get into the verses and you focus in on something and something just kind of draws your attention or highlights itself on the page to you and you just sit there and soak. It's like a, a back in the day when we had bathtubs in our houses. 
Some of you don't have any of those anymore. Everybody's changing over to showers. But there's a time and a place. Maybe your body's sore because you went out and played softball and you were way too old to be doing that or whatever it is that you're doing and you just need a good soak. There's something about that. It's something about the heat of the water around you that soothes and re-energizes. And I just want to soak on a few of these verses this morning. Can we do that? When we look at the book of Revelation and we look all the way in like we are at chapter 21 and we finally in this study have gotten to this topic of this new heaven and this new earth, the new world that God is going to create is where we are. And you say, well, we're already on week three of the study and we're just now getting there is because we had to set the table. We had to put the pieces in place. And if you haven't been following along, maybe go back on our Facebook feed and find those messages. But last week, as I was not able to be in the service, I was here in the building, but I had to go back this week and I had to listen to the message that Pastor Robert brought. He did a great job. Would you help me just thank him for doing a great job? And here's what I think he did a great job with. He did a great job laying the foundation of how we get to chapter 21 of this new heaven and this new earth. There are some things that had to take place. Do you remember what those are? There was a list of them. Nonetheless, the, the, the tribulation period that he talked about and, the, and the, all of the, the things that lead up to that and are a part of that, before that, the rapture of the church, and then after that, the judgment, and all of these things that are lined up that he laid out but the one thing I noticed as I was going back to listen to the service from last Sunday is that you all were very quiet. He said one thing specifically that made me say right out loud in the, by myself when I had my earbuds in and was listening to the message, I had to say right out loud, yes, but I didn't hear anything from the room. So maybe you missed it. And here's what he said, and I'm going to give you another opportunity to speak up on this. He said, for the Christ follower, for the Christian, that we will be saved from the judgment. Yes. That's what I said. Yes. That's exciting. That should bring excitement to the believer. That should bring something inside of us, that joy I talked about earlier, where we say, yes. I don't have to suffer the wrath of God. I don't have to go through that. That should be something that every day when we realize we've woken up and we are alive in him and we have another opportunity, but we don't have to suffer the judgment of God. That should be exciting. That should be something that pumps us up. So he laid the groundwork. He, he brought us to this point. He, he said, here are the things that need to happen. And again, if you didn't hear those or you aren't clear on those, go back and listen to those. But right before we get to chapter 21, I want to make sure you realize what you are going to miss. As a follower of Christ, as a Christian, as someone who bases their life on this book and on the life of Christ and, uh, and is following him with every heartbeat that we have and every breath that we have in our lungs, right before John writes in chapter 21 about this new heaven and new earth, he writes about a judgment to come. A judgment to come. And that judgment is the white throne judgment. I'm going to tell you something else that should cause you to be 
excited this morning. If you're a follower of Christ, you won't be there. That judgment is for those who have denied Christ. It's for those who turned their back on Christ. It's, those, it's for those people who unfortunately will exist who said, no, I will not bow the knee. I will not give my life to Christ. So that's good news for us this morning because I think and I hope and I pray that we are all going to heaven in the rapture and that we won't be here at the great white throne judgment. But John writes as he concludes and starts to conclude this book of Revelation, the visions that he saw, that he articulates for us the best that he can. And keep that in mind as you read through Revelation and you see all of the symbolism and you see all of the things that are in there, some of which are just hard to understand. I don't pretend to understand everything that I read in the book of Revelation or anywhere else in my Bible. But what I know is that John did the best that he could with the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to articulate and write the things that he saw because that's what he was instructed to do. And so as he concludes chapter 20 with the the white throne judgment and says he saw that that was happening and those are people who will answer for their sins, we won't be there if we're Christ followers. Then he says as he begins chapter 21... And in my Bible, it has a heading, and it says a new heaven and a new earth. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And there was no longer any sea. That just simply means, and we won't get caught up there, our big bodies of water, the Atlantic and the Pacific Ocean and the Mediterranean Sea, they won't exist. But the point being... A new heaven and a new earth. If we stopped right there today and went no further, we could think and we could ponder. How many of you just ponder scripture sometimes? I like to just read something like that and then I just kind of kick back in my chair and I say to myself, a new heaven and a new earth. What would that possibly look like? And luckily, we have the information to what some of that's going to look like. But I like to just think outside the box on something and, and kind of decide, what would this be? Why do we need a new heaven and a new earth? Why would he have to recreate what he's already created? Don't you remember back at the beginning of your Bible in Genesis 1-1? What does it say? In the beginning, God created what? The heaven and the earth. Well, God, you created this thing. So now why all the way back here in Revelation chapter 21 are you going to create a new heaven and a new earth? Well, of course, we know the answer to that. We know that sin destroyed and sin brought this earth to what it is now. And it was not the original creation that God wanted it to be. So although God did create, as Genesis 1 and 1 settles, heaven and earth, he's going to recreate heaven and the earth. The first heaven and the first earth has passed away. So go with me, if you could, for a moment. In the moment that John sees this, it's a vision. It's, it's, it's more than a vision. He's seeing it with his own eyes in the spirit. He was taken and he is seeing this future event that's going to take place. A new heaven 
and a new earth. And what amazes me is the fact that this was prophesied to happen. So we look sometimes at prophecy and we say, well, here's some prophecy in the Old Testament and it's already come to pass. We can check that box off. And if you're a historian or you study your Bible enough, you may be into that. You may go in and check off the prophecies that have already been fulfilled and you may have a list of prophecies that have not been fulfilled yet. Here's one for you. If you would join me in Isaiah, if you could quickly flip there. If not, I think they'll pop it on the screen. Chapter 65, here it is. Isaiah, 700 years before Christ was even born, says these words. See, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create. For I will create Jerusalem to be a delight and its people a joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. The sound of weeping and of crying will be heard in it no more. 700 years before Christ was even born. Long before John was ever thought of. Long before he saw this vision in Revelation chapter 21. Isaiah the prophet writes in the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and says, There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Now, how many of you also saw in that passage by Isaiah, the former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind? Isn't it a struggle for us sometimes to not remember? Has anybody got a past in the room? You got some stuff? There's some things that you wish you could forget that you did or were done to you. There's some, there's some dirty laundry. It's just some life that happened. Maybe before you came to Christ, maybe after you came to Christ, maybe, maybe that's the stuff that you remember. I want you to hang on to the fact that this prophecy may or may not have been fulfilled in your life already. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. You may be at a place in your life where you have forgotten all of that stuff and every once in a while it creeps back up, but you know that you're an overcomer in Christ Jesus and you know that the end result is going to be you're in his glorious presence, but the former things Isaiah prophesied will not be remembered. That's good news for us this morning. When we come to Christ, when we put our hope in him and our trust in him and our faith in him, our sins are gone from the east to the west. They're not remembered anymore. Those former things are gone and not remembered. And so this prophecy in Isaiah that there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, when he wrote those words, when those people that were alive at the time that Isaiah scribed those words, I wonder what they thought when he said that. I wonder what came to mind, what the earth and the heavens looked like at that time, what they understood about heaven and earth, and what they envisioned a new heaven and a new earth would look like. Remember, they didn't have Revelation chapter 21, but we do. And John continues in chapter 21 and says, that first earth had passed away, it's gone we don't remember it anymore, the, the trouble, the chaos. I love the fact that in the New Testament, the, the Bible tells us that the earth is groaning 
Right now, it's, it's groaning because of the sin that humanity brought to it. And it's all going to be gone. All the pain, all the sorrow, all the crying. And he says, the earth had passed away. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. Picture that. There's a city coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, now I got caught up in the word loud this week. Because I now have someone in my house that's loud. I'm not going to point fingers. I'm not even going to look their direction. They just know who they are. But for a while at my house, things were relatively quiet. Every once in a while, a dog would bark. But that was about it. We were relatively quiet. The kids all grew up and got married. And they moved out. And then it was quiet. But when I saw this word loud, I, I realized that within the last couple of months... And we're blessed to have this child, this person, but they are loud. This was a loud voice from heaven. There's a lot of things that I don't understand about what heaven's going to look like and what this new earth is going to look like. There's a lot of things I don't know and I have to sit and ponder them. But I know this, it's going to be loud. Amen? Sometimes on Sundays, I sit in here and worship with all of you, and I look around, and some of you are just kind of, and that's okay. Everybody worships differently. Everybody enjoys the presence of the Lord differently, but I had never seen you loud. Maybe you can be loud. Maybe you can sing out loud. Maybe you can't clap your hands, but I've never seen you loud at all. I need to tell you something this morning. When you get to heaven... You're going to have to be loud. There's only 30 minutes in the book of Revelation where it was silent in heaven. You can go back and read that. It's around chapters 2, 3, 4, somewhere in there. All the rest of it is loud. There's some people singing. There's some people worshiping and they're always singing. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And they don't say it quiet. They say it loud. And so I look at this and I say, there's a loud voice from the throne. A loud voice from the throne. And what does that voice say? Look! And I love the fact that there's punctuation there. I'm not a big grammar guy. I'm not a big spelling guy. I didn't do good in that. I'm a math guy. But the older I get and the more I read this book and I realize the punctuation is important, it just says, look, and it gives pause and it gives exclamation. There's something that's going on and the person on the throne, who is God, by the way, says, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. Oh, that should give us an amen. That should give us a reason to want to say amen. And it says, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. Do you realize this is the culmination of everything that God's been trying to do since Genesis? His plan, his purpose, his idea was to create 
paradise in a garden and he put Adam and he gave Adam Eve and he put those two together and it was wonderful and he came down the Bible tells us in the cool of the day and he walked with them he dwelled with them he's always wanted to be with us I might be talking to myself this morning because nobody's helping me out he's always wanted to dwell with us When he set creation in motion, he said, I'm going to create and then I'm going to dwell there. And we as people, as humanity came along and spit in the face of that and sinned and changed that to where God eventually said, I'm going to have to go live up here. I can't be among you, but I'll send my spirit if you'll ask me for it. And so we have been existing in this time period in this period of grace, we like to call it, in church, where he will give us his spirit and dwell inside of us. But listen to this vision that God gave John that he writes in these pages for us. There's going to be a time, and we like to think of time in a linear fashion. So we'll do that this morning because that's the best we can do as humans. There's going to be this time out there on the timeline somewhere. Can I tell you It's not going to be long. And at that moment, after all these other events have taken place, the rapture and the the wedding feast that we will get to enjoy and the tribulation period and and all of that and the millennial reign of Christ and the, the white throne judgment and There's going to be a time and a place where there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth are going to exist. And in that moment, the city, this holy city, this new Jerusalem will be coming down and it will be prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And there's going to be a loud voice. I feel like I'm being loud this morning. They'll have to turn me down in the sound booth because I just can't help it. There's going to be a loud voice from heaven. You and I are going to hear God say, look. And at that moment, every eye is going to cast upon that city. Every eye is going to see the beauty of that city that John saw. He's going to say, God's dwelling place will now again be with his people. Not just his spirit. But God himself will come and dwell in that city. He's going to be our God. And we are going to be his people. I look forward to that day. He said, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. I am so looking forward to the old order of things passing away. Aren't you? The old order is the order we're in now where it says where if you get this disease or this virus in your body, then you're most likely going to have these symptoms and you're not going to feel good. You're going to be sick. Some people are going to die. That's the old order. This book tells me that this day is coming where a new heaven and a new earth are coming down and that will be gone. There won't be any more sickness. There won't be any more tears. 
in eyes. Has anyone seen tears in the eyes of someone they love this past week? Something happened. And you looked into the eyes of somebody who has a place in your heart and you saw tears coming down their eyes. You know those tears will be gone. In this city, in this new heaven and new earth, there won't be any tears. There won't be any death. Isn't that good news? We won't have to stand at a gravesite any longer and talk about how this person's life was impactful or maybe they weren't impactful, but we won't have to stand there anymore and talk about the fact that they're no longer with us. There's going to be a time where death will be no more. The old order of things is going to be gone. And there's going to be a new order He who was seated on the throne also said this, I am making everything new. The same loud voice that just said, look, is also saying, I'm going to make everything new. Now, there's a women's retreat coming up at the 1st of October. Some of you are going on. And what I was told was that the topic of that was going to be restoration. And so I've been doing some thinking about restoration. I like cars. And I like the fact that you can take a car that's been left out in the rain and rusty and beat up, and you can restore that car. Some of you have been involved in projects like that, or you'd like to be. And so you've got to remove some of the old rust spots, and it might actually create a a, a, a hole in a fender or in a piece of the body of the vehicle. And so you've got to fill that in if you're going to restore it. And so you can't put the metal back, but there's some substances we, we would put in there and you could buff that out. And if you're good at what you do, if you're a good body guy, you could get that thing to the point where it could receive some, some good shiny, hopefully metallic paint, put on that thing and shine it up. You could restore it to its original condition. But you would have to agree with me that that hole would still be there. It may be covered up. There might be some, some, some putty in it, and, and you may not be able to see it from the outside, but if you went and actually dug into the, the body of that car, that hole's still there. But that's not what this is talking about. This is talking about making everything new. And so in my mind, this isn't putting putty and a paint job on a bumper or a fender. This is ripping that fender off and getting a brand new one and putting it back on. Now you've got a new fender. It's not just been restored, it's been transformed. Oh, that was good. It's not just been restored, it's been transformed. It's new. And that's what this voice from the throne says, is that I'm going to make everything new. Remember, in the context of a new heaven and a new earth, what that could include. What does everything include? Everything. Everything's going to be made new. And then he said, write this down. These words are trustworthy and true. Sometimes people say, how do you know? Pastor, how do you believe this stuff? Are you sure you believe everything that you read? I do. Why? Because of verses like this that say, write this down. These words are trustworthy and true. Well, I don't know how you base your decisions and what you base your life on, but when I read something like that, I just say, okay, this is going to happen. 
This future event is coming to pass. It will occur. And then verse 6 says, he said to me, it is done. There's some finality with that. It is done. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this. And I will be their God and they will be my children. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, are the idolaters and all liars will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur And this is the second death. He says, I'm going to make everything new. Everything. But there's a list here of things that would keep you from that. That would keep you from being able to enjoy this victorious life, he calls it, where everything is new and you get to experience it. And so, once again, we have to gauge ourselves against a list like this in Revelation chapter 21 and make sure we're not taking part in any of those things and do the research and make sure that we don't fit into that category because we just got told if you're in those categories, you won't be there. You will suffer the second death and you don't want to be a part of that. And then John, as he sees the vision of this new heaven and this new earth, you can read this week, goes on to explain some of the actual details. And I love the fact that our God is detail-oriented. I love the fact that he, he's very measured. He, he's very mathematical. He's, he's very precise. He has been since the very beginning with creation. As we read in Genesis, he was when he gave instructions to the children of Israel, including building the tabernacle that he was going to come and, and dwell among them in every Detail is given. And you can read some of those, how the the gates were on on each of the four sides and, and how the angel who talked with John came and used measuring rods of gold to measure the walls of the city. But I want to move very quickly as we come to a close today to verse 22. John noticed something about this new city about this new heaven and this new earth. And he says in verse 22, I did not see a temple. Now think about who he's originally writing these words to. These people, the temple, church, you may call it, was the center of everything. It should be for us, but for the rest of the world, the temple, the church, is just something on a street corner somewhere. But In this century, when John wrote these words, the temple was the center of their lives. Everything revolved around the temple. And so when John says these words, and they read these words, that there was no temple. It must have came at them and smacked them in the face. And then John goes ahead and says, there was no temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple. That blows my mind. The only thing that I could possibly put together in my mind, and and you may see it differently, and I, I, I hope you do, and I hope you'll email me and say, this is how I saw it. But the only thing I could possibly put together in my mind was this. They didn't need a building. They didn't need a central location. They didn't need to identify, this is where we go to worship our God. This is where we go to sing. This over here is where we go to pray. They didn't need it. Why? Because God was there. 
Everywhere they turn, hey, God, how are you doing? Good, how are you? I'm good. He walked over here. Hey, there's God over here. He's everywhere. He's omnipresent. Isn't that one of his attributes? Isn't that one of his qualities? And so when we think about that, when we ponder that, we say there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. There's going to be a city. And everywhere you go, you'll see God. He's going to be everywhere. You can't get away from him. Amen. Some of you have been trying to find God for a long time and can't find him. You've been looking high and low. You've been to church. You've been to the closet. You've been everywhere and can't find him. When you get to this city, brother, you won't be able to unfind him. There ain't going to be no temple. We're not going to have to get up on Sunday morning and put on clothes and come to church. We'll just wake up and in the presence of the Lord, all of a sudden, he'll just be there. There's no need for a temple in this new city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it for the glory of God gives it light. And the Lamb is its lamp everywhere you go. You won't look up and see the sun. Don't need it. Why? Because the light coming off of God himself, the light coming off of the sun is bright enough to light your path anywhere that you go. As a matter of fact, the nations will walk by its light. Won't that be refreshing? Because we hear the news and we look out across our world and sometimes we point the finger and say, oh, those people over there, they're not following the Lord. Well, guess what? The United States isn't either. Not anymore. I don't think we ever did. We might have looked like we did. We might have been closer in the past. But we're a long way from it now. But not in the new city. Not where the new heaven and the new earth is. No. As a matter of fact, all nations will walk by its light. And the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut. For there will be no night there. Constant daylight. Never going to be dark. The glory and the honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it. Nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. I don't know about you, but it sounds to me like God's going to be in control of everything in this city. It sounds to me like the people who end up in this place, are going to see not just with their eyes, but feel and know and experience God in a different way. It sounds to me like this new heaven and new earth and this new city that God will bring down and dwell in is going to be paradise. It sounds to me like it's going to be perfect. And as we wrap up the study next week and look at the next chapter and realize the things that will be in that city, we have to ask ourselves the question, do I want to go? Do I want to go? Do I want to see that happen? Because as Pastor Robert reminded us last week, we are spiritual beings And we are going to live forever. The question becomes for each and every human being, and the only thing, the only person who can answer the question is you. Where will you spend eternity? I can tell you this. I will spend mine with God. 
I've made up my mind. There's nothing I want more. There's nothing that I want to be attached to on this earth. I want to see Jesus. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads with me? When we look at the book of Revelation as a church, when we open that up, which we try to do regularly at least once a year, like I said earlier, it sometimes brings a nervousness to people. They may not know why they feel nervous. They may not understand what that is inside of them. What it should bring to us as believers, as Christians, as people who put our faith in Jesus Christ, is it should bring us joy. Because we know that what we read in that book, whether it's already happened or it's going to happen, and these future events that we talked about this morning, we can enjoy. We can have assurance and hope. We have assurance and hope in Jesus Christ right now that we're going to see that future world. Here's what keeps me up sometimes at night. is the person who showed up at the end of chapter 20 at that white throne judgment. They didn't go in the rapture when the trumpet sounded and those who were dead in Christ rose and we followed directly after that future event that will take place. Nope, they were left behind. And they were on this earth to see the terrible things that will occur during the seven-year tribulation. And they perhaps even gave their life trying with their own hands to work their way out of the situation. And then they find themselves, because of their denial of who Christ is and what he's done for them, they find themselves at that great white throne judgment standing in front of the creator of the universe. And a book is opened. And once the pages are looked at, it's realized at that moment their name wasn't in the book. It doesn't exist. And so all these future wonders and paradise and all of the streets of gold that we like to talk about in this new city, they'll, they'll never see that. That's what keeps me up sometimes. That's what worries me. That's what causes a guy like me to come and stand in front of you and beg you to make sure that's not you. Right there when I said that, something inside of you said, yep, that's me, or no, that's not me. Something, something did. Do you know why? Because before I got here this morning, I prayed and said, God, would you convict who needs to be convicted? And I believe he does that. I believe he answers prayer. As a matter of fact, I know he answers prayer. And so I just simply ask you, in these final moments of this service this morning before we sing and then we go home. Knowing that these future events are in front of you, 
Don't let anybody lie to you and tell you that the book of Revelation has already happened, that the, the tribulation has already happened, that we're already there. It's not happened. Go read chapter 13 and ask yourself, has any of this already happened? The answer is no. It's all future events. I believe it's coming soon. I believe there's not enough time left for you to play. I believe that today is the day of salvation. Why do I believe that? Because that's what the book says. And so I ask you, in these waning moments of this service and of your life, where will you spend eternity? And I want to give you an opportunity, just in case, just in case today you find yourself in a situation where you say, you know what, Pastor, I've played with this thing for a long time. But I don't want to be left here. I don't want to deal with the tribulation and the, the wrath of God. I can tell you, brother or sister, if that's what you're thinking right now, I agree with you in the name of Jesus. I don't want you to be left. I want you to be on streets of gold with me and those of us who have given our life to Christ and turned over our, our lives to Him. Is that you today? I want to ask this. Would you be bold enough while no one's looking around to just raise a hand and say, Pastor, I don't want to be left behind. Would you pray for me today? Don't forget about me. Anybody in the house? Anybody at all? Praise God. Would you stand with me all across the room, whether you raised a hand or didn't raise a hand? I just want everybody on their feet. Because you know what today is? Today is a day of celebration. Today is a day that says, He's coming to dwell with me. The future is bright. The future is coming, and I get to be a part of it. Are you ready? We're going to pray, and then we're going to sing. And if you raise your hand, if you even raise your hand in your mind, but your physical hand wouldn't go up, I want you to pray this prayer. Heavenly Father, I ask you to come and send your Holy Spirit and dwell in me. I may not understand what that means, but I know this. I don't want to be left to suffer the wrath that is coming. I don't want to be standing. I don't want to find myself standing at the great white throne judgment. No, sir. I want to hear that loud voice from the throne say, Look, I am creating a new heaven and a new earth. And I want to put my feet on streets of gold. And I want to see those gates of jasper. And I want to see the loved ones that have gone on before me. Don't leave me behind, Jesus. Now, if that's you, and you feel that down inside here, your moment is not over. It's not too late. This altar is open, and I would be honored to kneel with you right here and make sure that you and your eternity is sealed for heaven before you leave this place. Jesus, we pray all these things in your name, and we look forward to that day in Jesus' name.